0: Thanks for tuning in to the teaching ministry of Mike Hilson, Senior Pastor of New Life Wesleyan Church of La Plata, Maryland. It's a church that plants churches. And of Where You Are Church, an online church helping people reconnect with God through practical content and a growing community. Hey, we're glad that you're taking time to listen to this week's message. We hope this teaching helps you love God and love people better every single day. And if you enjoy what you hear today, consider sharing it with someone else. Now, enjoy today's teaching.
1: We're going to start a new series today, and our our series, we're going to call it Don't Waste Your Life. That's kind of what we're calling the thing, and what we're really after is we don't want you to waste moments. We don't want you to miss moments. We don't want you to overlook moments in your life that could be huge, that God could be using to really just transition or to grow you or to press you forward or, or somehow to force you out of a comfort zone. I I want us to look at these things and say, what can we learn from them? And what is God doing in our lives with them? Look, all of us go through things in our lives. Some are great, some are not. And we're going to go through some good things and some bad things. But each one of the each one of the experiences in our lives work to make us who we ultimately are to become in Christ. And so what we want to do is we want to make sure you don't miss those. So we're going to do that by looking into the life of the Apostle Peter. And we're going to pick up uh, eight stories out of his life, and we're we're going to walk through those, and we're going to process in those, what is it he's learning in this, and what is it we need to look for when we face something similar. So we're going to start in Matthew chapter 14 we start in Matthew chapter 14, and we're going to start with a storm. In Matthew chapter 14, by the time you get to the end of the chapter, the kind of the center point of the story we're dealing with is that the disciples are in a boat in the middle of the lake, and they are, they are fighting against the wind. And it, it feels to them as if they will sink or they're, they're just, they're, you all know, it's just it, there's a huge storm that has come up. And they just can't get through the storm to get to the other side of the lake. But here's something I want to show you in this story that I want you to see before we even start breaking it down. If you go to Matthew chapter 14, what you're going to find is it starts, the whole chapter starts with Herod beheading John the Baptist. Well, John the Baptist is a relative of Jesus. So Jesus has just lost a friend. He's just lost a relative. He, he's, it, it was incredibly cruel the way that this happened. And, and John the Baptist is, is dead. And so Jesus and the disciples, they go off and they're, they're really wanting to... In fact, in verse 13, it says, when Jesus heard what had happened to John, He withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. So he's trying to get off by himself because he's just had a major loss in his life. There's there's sadness, there's sorrow. All of this is going on. Jesus experienced all the same emotions that we do. And so he's experiencing all of this and, and he gets off by himself. But the Bible says, hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. And when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. So all of a sudden, Jesus loses a friend and a family member, and then he says, we need to get off to ourselves. So he's going to take the disciples. They're just going to get away for a little bit. They're going to be quiet. They're going to try to process what's just happened. And they get there when they arrive at this place that's supposed to be downtime, that's supposed to be quiet time. Crowds meet him there and he immediately goes back into work mode. Now, stay with me. I know it says he had compassion on them and healed their sick. And what you're seeing is that he goes into compassion mode. But you got to understand when compassion is your work, you are going into compassion mode and work mode at the same time. That's where Jesus is. No downtime no downtime, no chance to recover from losing a friend, losing a family member, no chance to recover from this horrific story of John the Baptist being beheaded for a dancing girl in front of King Herod. No, 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 no time to get over how wrong the injustice, the difficult, no time for that. They're right back at work immediately. And then it gets even worse because the crowds gather and as, as the crowds are there and Jesus is healing and teaching, they get hungry and it's not like there's a chicken fillet down the road they can go to Uh, they've got to provide food and Jesus says that the disciples you feed them all they have is one little boy's lunch so you got you got a couple biscuits and some fish sticks and and they got to figure out how to feed all these people and the Bible says there were 5,000 men in that crowd so probably somewhere in the neighborhood of 15,000 people total in, in, in this crowd and all of a sudden Jesus is telling his disciples to take this little boy's lunch and feed all of them. And they do. Jesus performs a miracle. But, but I, I, we always teach all of this and we celebrate the miracles and we celebrate the healing. And we do, but how many times have you done this tracking through in chapter 14, the emotional exhaustion that must be true inside of Jesus and inside of the disciples? If Jesus is 100 percent human, he's exhausted right here. He, he's just worn out. He's been working. Then he has this emotional, this emotional tragedy takes place, and then he tries to get away, but he can't. He's working again. Then there's massive crowds pressing in. He's dealing with everybody. They have to feed everybody, and and then all of that happens. And that this is where we pick up our story. This is where we pick up our story. We're gonna we're we're gonna start in Matthew 14, verse 22. Remember, 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 all this has happened. Emotional. They're they're exhausted. And then it says, immediately, I'm in in verse 22, immediately, they they didn't take a break, immediately from that moment, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. So he sends them away. You know what? He could have sent them away because he saw that they were about to fall over exhausted. That's how tired they are. I'm going to make a point. I, I want you to see this just a minute. And then he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, He was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. All of a sudden, the disciples are caught in a storm. Now, when you're caught in a storm, I want you to remember everything I've just told you that's happened to them. They're exhausted. They've not gotten any downtime, and now they are fighting the wind and the waves against a storm. Storms that look like they're going to destroy you often come at the absolute worst moments. They often come when you are already exhausted, when you're already spent, when you have nothing left to give, and then all of a sudden, now you got to fight nature. Now you got to fight something you didn't see coming. You expected a nice, quiet row across the lake, and instead, now you're fighting for your life against the wind and against the waves. And all of a sudden, this storm just rolls up on you, and and it's like it's kind of like you you, you look at the world and you go, really, really now you're going to do that now I have that's got to be how the disciples are reacting storms storms can isolate and distract us they can isolate us because the disciples were out there and they felt like they were all alone nobody that they, they had to feel like they were on their own there there's nobody coming to help there's there's no way anybody's gonna but Jesus can see them i don't I don't know that they realize that I don't know that they realize Jesus can see the struggle. I want you to hear me. Sometimes when you're going through a storm, especially one that follows all this tragedy, sometimes when you're going through a storm and you're exhausted, you feel isolated. You feel like there's nobody else around who's ever been through what you're going through, nobody else around who's ever who, who's paying attention. And yet what we have to understand is Jesus is always there. He always sees us. Why doesn't he come more quickly? Well, I don't know. It's a matter of his timing, but he comes. Look, everybody listen to me. Jesus is rarely early, but he's never late. And so the truth is he's coming when when they most need him. They feel isolated. And by the way, they're distracted. They're distracted from the fact that they are serving the God of the universe who's just healed people who's just fed 5,000. All these miracles, all of this has happened. They just had 15,000 people on a hillside listening to their rabbi teach. Come on, y'all. That's a win in anybody's book. And all of these wins are stacked up, but all they can focus on in the moment is the distraction of the waves and the wind and what looks like a threat that's coming at them. That's what storms do to us. They can isolate us and distract us and make us feel like nobody is paying attention and no one will help us, when in reality, Jesus sees us the whole time. Storms can isolate and distract. The story goes on, verse 25, shortly before dawn, (laughs) I think it's interesting, shortly before dawn, Jesus let them struggle the entire night, the entire night, but just before dawn, hope arrives. Can you hear that? I want to make a side point. Can you hear that idea that just before dawn? I don't know how many times I've said it, but no matter how depressed you get, you need to see the next sunrise. You always have to see the next sunrise. You know why? Because just before dawn, Jesus went out to them. He's, again, rarely early, never late. Never late. Jesus shows up right on time. Jesus went out to them walking on the lake, walking, y'all, walking on the, When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. I mean, this has to be an understatement. These guys are exhausted. They have no energy left. They they, they, they did all this work the day before. They, they, they know John the Baptist is dead. They know that Herod would just as soon kill each one of them as well, so that puts extra pressure on them. Then they've had this crowd come out. They've dealt with the crowd. They've watched the miracles, and that's awesome, but they've had to manage all that. Jesus didn't hand out the food. The disciples did, so they were busy the entire day. Then they get into this boat they expect some kind of nice quiet little row across the lake and instead they're fighting against the wind and the wet. they are they're absolutely positively spent and then there's a dude there's something walking on top of the water it freaked them out absolutely had to freak them out it said they said it's a ghost they said and they cried out in fear they cried out in fear but jesus immediately said to them take courage I want to make a point. It's a side point. It's, it's, it's not the main point. I just want to make this point. Sometimes in, our, in, in the middle of a storm when we're exhausted and, and we're spent and everything looks like it all looks dark, like it's not going to work out. Sometimes your deliverance looks like something frightening. Sometimes your answer looks like it, it's a threat. When in reality, it's the answer. They looked at Jesus and they saw, they saw a ghost. They said they saw they saw they saw something terrifying when, in fact, what they should have seen was something that gave them hope and lifted their lifted their spirits. And they didn't see that. Initially, they saw Jesus and saw a threat. But Jesus said, take courage. It is I do not be afraid. So Peter being Peter says, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. Okay, fine. If it's really you, let me walk on the water like you do. I mean, that's, that's what Peter says. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. Come on now. All of the, here, Here's the point I need you to make. It is true that storms can isolate and distract, but it's also true that storms can provide unexpected opportunity. Storms can lead you to some of the most... most the most miraculous things. Storms can lead you to a strength you didn't know you had. Storms can get, storms can take you, Well, just stop. What Peter thought two minutes ago was going to kill him, the water, he now walks on top of. Come on now. That's a praise report. If I had a Pentecostal in the room, we'd be going nuts right now. The truth is that what Peter thought the water would drown him and now the water's under his feet. What he thought was over his head is now under his feet. Do you understand what Jesus does? In the middle of the storm, Jesus takes what was a threat and turns it into an opportunity the water he thought would drown him is now part of the miracle and imagine the moment when he realizes I'm standing on top of the water wow this is amazing and and, and it's, it's, it's great and I would love to tell you that lasted but I have more to read verse 30 but when he Peter saw the wind he was afraid he's no longer looking at Jesus in the midst of this unexpected opportunity that gives him this miracle he forgets he somehow forgets where he's at he takes his eye off of the one that's going to set him free gets afraid and when he takes his eyes off jesus and puts his eyes back on the water when he takes when he takes his eyes off of his savior and puts his eyes back on the threat when he when he stops looking at the hope and starts looking at the fear when he trades off the faith for believing that somehow he's going to die. When all of that happens, he starts to sink. I want you to listen to me. Your perspective and your focus is what will keep you from sinking in the middle of a storm. Storms will test our focus and our faith. Watch. He started looking at the sea and he began to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. They see who Jesus is. It will test your focus and your faith. Uh, when When Jesus catches him and pulls him out of the water, he says, You of little faith. Well, why would he do that? That seems a bit harsh, let's be honest. But he would do that because... Peter was operating in faith when he was walking on the water. He was already there. And yet he allowed his fears, he allowed the storm to take his eyes off of the one who was going to set him free and let him do something he thought was impossible. I want you to hear me. Storms can't be wasted in your life. Because in the midst of the storm, even when it feels like you're isolated... Even when it feels like you're threatened, in the midst of that storm, there's going to be an unexpected opportunity, and when that opportunity comes, God's going to do something that we didn't even think was possible in our lives. I I I wish, I wish I could get everyone to understand that God wants to do in your life what you don't think you can do or what you don't think He will do. God wants to help you do what you think is impossible. I'm not suggesting, you know, we're going to go out uh, out behind the house and walk across the pool and be on top. I'm not suggesting that. I'm not suggesting somehow God's going to give you the ability to fly. We're not, God's not the writer of Marvel comics. Come on. He's God, but he will allow you to experience and to do things. You didn't think you could, if you'll just have faith in him in those moments though, in those moments, when you're finally on top of the water and you're standing there, the only way you're going to stay on top is to stay focused, and faith-filled, focused on Jesus, and filled with faith in Him. I know the world says you should have faith in yourself, but I'm going to tell you, I've let me down more times than anybody else has. What you've got to have faith in is Him. If we'll stay focused on Him and put our faith in Him, you can stay on top of the storm that you thought was going to drown you and can actually have an unexpected opportunity. I, I, I don't want us to waste storms they come all the time. But Jesus catches us every time. He's always watching. He's always going to be there and at just the right moment, he's going to show up and set us free if we'll just let him. Pray with me. Lord, everybody everybody listening to this has either been through or is going through or is about to experience a storm in their lives. As those storms whip around, As the winds howl and and the rain falls, as we fight against the waves around us and really start to believe perhaps that the waves are going to overtake us, remind us that you are there. Somebody right now, Lord, needs needs to be reminded that just before dawn, you're going to show up. Maybe not early, but absolutely not late. Lord, give us hope give us hope to follow you, and let us, Lord, stay focused on you. When you bring that opportunity to us, let us take it and let us stay focused on you all the way through it. Lord, carry us through the storms and in the middle of it, teach us what you want to know. Teach us who you really are. In your name we pray. Amen.
0: All right. So just a couple questions. The first one I have for you is how can we recognize when a challenging situation or a storm is like an opportunity for growth rather than just a setback? Well, I think, uh,
1: I think all of them are opportunities for growth. Every setback is an opportunity for growth. Uh, there's going to be opportunity in every storm. Mm-hmm. If you'll look for it, if you find it. Now, it, it, you know, some, it may, not, may not always be the opportunity for a miracle, like mm-hmm. walking on water, but it is an opportunity for learning. Okay. Even if it's as simple as learning that Jesus is not going to let you down.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, Jesus is
1: not going to not be there. Mm-hmm. You, you, just, you just have to know.
0: Yeah. Okay, so what might be an example, like a personal example from your life of a, of a time where you felt isolated and distracted by a storm? Um, and then found an opportunity in it.
1: okay, so let me take you way back uh, like way back when I was twenty three 22 twenty three brand new mm-hmm. in ministry yep. I was running I was a, I was a district youth past district youth president mm-hmm. and we were running a camp, right and um and the assist the assistant district youth president mm-hmm. was um was, part of the camp and then we had a camp director that was another youth pastor in the in the district all that's going on right and uh so we had this huge blow up i had trusted them to do some things they uh did them in different ways than i expected i'm not really here to say right wrong all of that it was a huge blow up Mm -hmm. it was it was it was bad and um i became probably the only human in the history of the wesleyan church to lose a reelection bid for district youth president in a district in the Wesleyan Church. I probably am the only one that's ever done that. And so uh, I, I was not reelected. Mm-hmm. And it was because of all the conflict. Mm-hmm. And even the kids in my own youth group knew that I was exhausted from it. Now, we just, we, Robert was maybe a year old. So Robert was really young. I was, we, were, we were in the midst of transitioning to a new church, there's a lot going on. I, le- I had to leave that youth camp. Mm. And uh, I literally emotionally had to leave the youth camp because I was convinced at 23 that it was over. My career was done. I have messed it up. It's over. Jeez. It was all over. I mean, that's how dark that was for me. And all I wanted to do in that moment was get back over to Tina's mom and dad's house because her mom was still alive at the time. Mm. Get back over to Tina's mom and dad's house where Robert was under. It's really weird if you know Robert now for me to hear me tell the story, but because Robert's a big boy, Uh, but um, he's a big man. But um, but he was just a little boy. And all I wanted to do was get over to Tina's mom and dad's house and pick him up and lay him on my chest and take a nap. And that's what I did. Hmm. Now in the middle of all of that, I learned a few things. God told me, God clearly told me in that moment, you're you it's not over. You're fine. Go move on and do this next thing. I've got this. You're going to be fine. You're going to succeed far beyond this. So, but it took, it took, it took a few hours of just sleep, of just rest. In the midst of that, I realized I was never going to battle like that again. And, um, but I had to learn in the midst of that. I learned some things about human nature. I learned some things about uh, people in ministry. I learned some things about how I had to handle myself, and I learned that God wasn't going to uh, turn on me, even, even if other people did. And uh, that, was, that was early on, but it was, it was an important lesson I've never forgotten.
0: Wow. Thanks for sharing that. So last one, last question. Mm -hmm. This one's kind of related to what you just said, because an important part of that story was what God spoke to you, Mm -hmm. you know, the reassurance you had. So how can we better recognize Jesus in the midst of our personal storms, especially when it feels like he's distant or not present?
1: Well, the, the question you've got to constantly ask in the middle of a storm is the hardest question to ask, which is, what am I supposed to learn here? what am I supposed to walk away from this with? Uh, it's not unlike being, you know, it's not like being in a workout and all of a sudden you're, you, you don't want to, you don't, I, okay. This happens to me all the time. You love working out. So it mm-hmm. probably never happens to you. I get halfway through something. I'm like, I just, I don't want to, this hurts. Mm-hmm. I don't, I get, I get into the dark hurt locker real fast. Right. Yeah. Because of my, I, I'm just like, why, why? why mm-hmm. why am i doing this? so i get it mm-hmm. i get there but then i realized in the middle of it i realized that this is going to help my stamina this is going to help my emo- range of motion this is going to make me stronger this is going to help build my core this mm. start to realize what's going on yeah same thing in a storm god's always doing something in a storm and if you can unpack if you can figure out how to unpack what am i supposed to learn here I literally have gotten to the, in the habit now of people will come up to me and sometimes they'll be angry with me and they'll be expressing their anger to me. And sometimes, sometimes I'll catch myself looking at them and in the back of my mind, I'm just listening, but in the back of my mind, I'm literally praying the prayer, Lord, what do I need out of this? Something they're saying good. needs to take root. Mm-hmm. What is that? So in every storm, in every argument, in every insult, Ask yourself, maybe you don't need to internalize any of it, but maybe it's teaching you something about you, maybe it's teaching you something about them. Uh, but the Holy Spirit's got something in all of them. Yeah. I was actually mad at God one time because like things weren't working out the way I wanted them to, and I was in you know, mm. one of those prayer sessions, yeah, yeah. And mm. it's like God said, Uh, God said, Michael, you take care of the ministry, and I'll take care of the opportunity in the middle of that storm, which is fully internal, it mm. was just me whining. In the middle of that storm, God taught me something. If you can try to look for what do I need to learn here Mm -hmm. inside of this storm, it will help you, I think, make it through.
0: Oh, that's powerful. That's good. Well, more on Don't Waste Your Life next week. Thank you again for joining us. We hope that this resource helped you in your journey towards loving God and loving people better every single day. If you enjoyed this, please take a second, share it with your friends. And last, we wanted to give a special thanks to all of you who give generously to this ministry. It's because of you all that this is possible. And if you'd like to learn more about how to partner with us financially, go ahead and click give for more information. We appreciate anything that you can do to help. So thanks again for being a member of our online family. We love serving Jesus with you.